Hello everybody and welcome to Sound of Play. Wednesday in Sound of Play we bring you some of our and your favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. There's no one joining me, Leon Cox, in Sound of Play 125, Kane and Rince's video games music podcast. I hope you'll forgive me this indulgent end of the year show. Actually, it's not quite the end of the year show. It's my pre-Christmas show. I have a piece of cake and a glass of non-alcoholic ginger wine as I'm about to... uh, to enter my 10th year in a row of no booze. I'd forgotten we had this uh, non-alcoholic ginger wine from left over from last Christmas, I think, but, you know, it still preserves itself even without the alcohol. Mmm. It's absolutely fine. And this is the first slice of Tanya's uh, mother's Christmas cake of the year as well, which is always good. Yeah. Feeling festive now? Right. <laughs> yeah, so this is not an especially festive um, podcast, maybe slightly reflective, looking back at the year past. I've done a lot of shows with uh, guests, guest composers, guests from the uh, community as well. I've still got a big old list of folks who have said they'd love to come on and share some tracks. If you're one of those people, never fear, I haven't forgotten. I've got a list. I'll be getting around to you as soon as I can. Uh, obviously, we have to make way sometimes for composers. We get a lot of contacts now from PR companies who want their composers to come on, which is fantastic. 
uh, and obviously we love to speak to composers about their work uh, but we also want to continue to have community themed shows and we will do that in the new year and beyond so yeah watch this space for those but today as i'm kind of in holiday mode now sort of finished work we've recorded the last cane and rinse podcast for the year we've drawn up the schedule for the next run of cane and rinse podcast for 2018 that will be coming your way very soon now if you listen to this as it comes out just a few days away you'll be hearing the 50 shows we've got lined up for next year for the other podcast so that's all good but I realised it's quite a long time since I picked any tunes that I wanted to play on the show so I thought maybe the listeners won't mind if I do a little mono cast and uh, a few of the tracks at the end are from games that I've played this year that were released this year as well so that sort of ties things up a little bit and I'm, I won't be appearing on the sort of big end of year uh, review of games that the team have been playing show uh, I needed a break basically and you know those you've heard enough from me you hear enough from me as I host most of the podcast so uh, it'd be great to hear from the uh, the team all your favorites uh, talking about some of the games they've played that were released in 2017 and a few that weren't possibly as well uh, other than the ones that we've obviously talked in depth about on the podcast so the opening track today uh, these uh, I've decided to go in sort of chronological order when they were released this is the oldest track I featured in this one and it's 30 years old and uh, that's part of the reason for playing it also it's a shout out to all the Sid Chip lovers out there including uh, my friend Simon and CJ uh, Coffee Jesus who occasionally pops on here and uh, Kane and Rince and, and the other Sid Chip fans who have been on the show and those who haven't that was of course Martin Galway's main title music from Whizball the 1987 sensible software game and uh, it's not actually a piece that I have a particularly strong personal affection to because I didn't have a Commodore 64 as much as I wanted one and the only version of Whizball I had was the port on the Amiga which was ever so slightly prettier but perhaps didn't have the same magic or feel as the Commodore 64 original and it struck me that we hadn't played the title music to Whizball, a legendary piece and uh, we're 125 sound and play podcasts in so it was high time now there's a few little sort of uh, follow-ons or, or mirrors compared to the most recent podcast with Ryan and Carl last week. By the way, I don't know if Ryan has anything planned for next Wednesday's Sound of Play. I know he's done some amazing production numbers with Halloween and Christmas shows in recent years. I don't actually know if he's got anything planned for his next show, which will be out just after Christmas. It could just be a regular show, so no big build up, but he might have some surprises in store. You'll have to wait and see, as will I. Uh, but we had a Richard Joseph tune requested on the last Sound of Play from Aquatic Games, one of the James Pond games. And Richard Joseph was a very busy composer in the 16-bit days in particular, did a lot of stuff for Amiga. And uh, some of the tunes I've picked today are just things that came back to me this year, just things I thought of, gave me a nostalgic feeling or whatever throughout 2017. So no particular connection other than that. But this was a game that had a lot of uh, pre-launch hype ended up getting ported to super nintendo ended up with sequel the uh, the amiga version of which didn't come out uh, officially in the end but came to super nintendo and you can now get it on modern consoles putty squad but this was the original putty or super putty as it was uh, known on super nintendo and i think possibly in development i think the original actually i think the original development name was silly putty but that was a trademark. There was this uh, grey stuff that you could get. I don't know if kids can still get it. I know you can still get slime because my niece was saying that she had some slime recently. But putty was this stuff which was either gooey and soft and mouldable or if you sort of rolled it into a ball, it would bounce. And you could also use it back when uh, comics had um, ink printed on them that you could print off. You could slap your piece of putty down and take a print of your comic. I don't know why, but it was fun. We did that. Anyway, by the by, Putty was a game in which you controlled a sort of blob of expandable polymorphous, amorphous putty uh, 
for platforming antics. It was a sort of typically wacky British platformer. It had lots of um, humour and you know silly stuff in it. Um, and the title theme, I'm pretty sure, was inspired by Joe 90, the Jerry Anderson TV series. I don't know who wrote the theme for that, but it's uh, it was a sort of traditional 60s uh, Hammond organ twangy guitar uh, kind of piece. And I think you can hear lots of that here as well as some um, sort of nods to 8-bit sound effects and things like that. Anyway, it's very silly and it just suddenly came into my head a few months back. So please enjoy Main Theme from Putty by Richard Joseph. So that's Putty, the main theme from Putty, from Richard Joseph, the late Richard Joseph from the Amiga version of Putty. I don't know if the Super Nintendo version is particularly, uh, sounds different. I expect it does. You'll have heard the thing we've talked about there, that the effect that Amiga Stereo gives you, which is the full-blown separation split left and right in the style of those old, uh, very early stereo pop records, uh, if you've ever played uh, the early sort of stereo versions of Beatles records and things you'll hear that all the vocals are in one speaker and all the band are in the other speaker which is a really uncomfortable way of listening to it but uh, sign of the times and all that in video game music news some good news this is great uh, the Basker UK uh, 
Ivor Novello Awards, British Academy of Songwriters, that is, composers and authors. Ivor Novello's, you've heard of them before. They have decided, uh, according to Jessica Curry today, I saw this, they have decided to reinstate the best original video game score category to their annual awards. So composers for games can be entered once again for an Ivor Novello and I think they're awarded in May or something like that. Anyway, that's really good news. Again, we've got, uh, I say we, speaking as a, a member of the video games community and the video games music supporting community with this podcast. Uh, even if we do, you know, play all these tunes out of <laughs> our copyright, we, you know, we, we've had tacit permission from any number of uh, publishers and composers now. And we support video games music being recognised as a completely legitimate uh, form of music of equal standing with motion pictures and TV and all that other stuff. Uh, obviously, in some ways, they have their own kind of niche because of the interactive nature. They can have an interactive nature. Uh, so, yeah, that's great stuff. Indeed, well done. The Ivan Novellos. Uh, next up, more nostalgia. I've always found this piece... Uh, what they say as uh, what they describe as achingly nostalgic, even though it was one of those where the first time I heard it, I felt that way. And that's partly because of the content of the package that it wrapped around. So this was the original Namco Museum Volume 1 for the PlayStation 1 back in 1995, which uh, had some of the classic Namco games on that you would expect. I can't remember exactly what Volume had Volume 1 had on it, but I think it was Gallagher at least one version, possibly Pac-Man, possibly Mappy. I can't quite remember. I bought all five volumes. There were six, actually. One was J uh, Japan only. And I've con continued to support Namco, uh, continually making money out of their legacy, <laughs> their back catalogue uh, titles, because I was a big fan of a lot of them at the time. And I think a lot of them still really stand up, especially uh, Gallagher, which uh, I still just absolutely love. Uh, but this piece of music... They what they did with Namco Museum then, and the presentation has been considerably stripped back now. If you look back, if you look at the recent Switch Namco Museum, which is uh, an absolutely excellent compilation, albeit maybe slightly short of titles, but what's there is uh, mostly pretty excellent, and the emulation's good, and the presentation's cool. Um, but the PS One compilation, it was insane. They would you had a full uh, polygon rendered museum you could wander around in, and it had sort of themed rooms and uh, interactive attractions and it had like uh, scans of the printed circuit boards of the original coin ops and uh, concept art that you could actually go up to these sort of you know, fake polygon glass cabinets and look in and all the time you were wandering these uh, sort of echoing marble halls of video game history which was really relatively recent at the time uh, some of these games were from only sort of 10 years or thereabouts from before this compilation was released uh, you were listening to this, I think, absolutely wonderful, sort of melancholic, spacey, um, ambient music. Now, the only credits I could find on the credit roll for Namco Museum Volume 1 is just Sound By. Uh, and the names involved are Kari Edaya, Nobuhiro Ochi, and uh, Louis Matsuo. So... In traditional fashion, I don't know exactly who was responsible for this uh, piece of audio, but um, this is the sort of the soundscape of the Namco Museum series across all its uh, releases on the PS1. Uh, each each new game had a new set, a new CG intro and a new sort of ambient soundtrack, but they all had echoes of the previous volume. It was a very nice set, and I kind of wish they put that much effort into, <laughs> into these things nowadays. But anyway, I've wibbled on enough. Let's hear it, uh, the museum piece from Namco Museum, Volume 1.
do really love that and I expect it to transition into the room themes for the different games which uh, also had uh, have an enormous amount of nostalgia value for me each uh, each game uh, in the series or each release each volume of, of the uh, Namco Museum that was released the sort of um, interactive elements became slightly more sophisticated as you went on and uh, there was some yeah some really cool stuff in there some nice little easter eggs and secrets obviously the the polygon graphics look incredibly sort of uh, unsophisticated now um, and you probably you could still just jump into games from a menu of course that that was possible but i actually I tended to prefer to wander around the museum and, and sort of absorb the atmosphere because they really did i think they really did do an amazing job with that another nostalgia piece so this uh, originally goes back to the uh, early mid 90s as well but actually the version we're going to hear this is the first of two remixes of epic fighting game character themes that I'm going to play back to back. Uh, both are quite lengthy, both quite uh, rousing, I think it's fair to say. This one we were talking about on our Kane and Rinse Slack channel the other day, Mikhail and I were uh, reminiscing about how epic the music for Virtua Fighter 2 was, particularly compared to some of the later installments. Uh, I think they hit the heights here with Ride the Tiger, theme of Akira. Uh, there's some other songs called Ride the Tiger. I think there's one by Noel Gallagher, possibly a recent one, one by Boo Radleys and more. But this one is by one or more of Takanobu Mitsuyoshi, Takayuki Nakamura and uh, Akiko Hashimoto. I should probably know which one of those wrote this, but in traditional fashion, as we often say, it's hard to actually find out who wrote the theme of Akira. Uh, games, Japanese games companies in particular, were not uh, fond of specifically crediting artists for their work in in all spheres, not just music, but uh, across across the board. And famously, of course, lots of games were credited, especially arcade and early console games, with pseudonyms rather than giving the the actual names of the development team away. So, uh, at least we know that much. And this version is a remix from Project Cross Zone Two: Brave New World. It was only known that as that in Japan. Monolith Soft's uh, mega mashup of gaming IP released by Bandai, Bandai Namco, for the 3DS in 2015 and 2016 elsewhere. So this is an already epic theme embellished with some even more sort of complex and uh, layered synthesizer melodies and uh, some extra harmonies and things like that, which I think really pushes it to yet even higher peaks of total epicness. I think we've played the original before. I'm not 100% sure, uh, but please enjoy this remix from Project Cross Zone 2.
Akira's theme, Ride the Tiger. The stun palm of doom was the move that uh, they used to rave about in the magazines of the time, the uh, EMAP magazines. Um, Akira's stun palm of doom, which was something that uh, put opposition players very much on the back foot. Uh, former Kane and Wince contributor Darren Foreman once tried to show me how to control Akira in Virtual Fighter Five, I think, Final Showdown, uh, which is still available on 360 and PS3, possibly backwards compatible, I think, on Xbox One. Without checking, I'm not 100% sure, uh, but still a, a wonderful, deep, technical fighting game for those interested in that sort of thing. But if you are, you've probably already got it. So our next remix comes, the original comes from a similar time in gaming history, sort of 94-ish. Uh, this was from Vampire originally, uh, but this version is from Resurrection, Darkstalkers Resurrection, which was the Iron Galaxy compilation for 360 and PS3 back in 2013 uh, when they compiled both the second and third Vampire or Darkstalkers games into one excellent downloadable compilation. Very excited about the recent news that... We are going to get a really uh, comprehensive Street Fighter anniversary collection for marking the 30th anniversary. It's not by Iron Galaxy. It's by Digital Eclipse. But that it's not enough to set alarm bells ringing. They've done, uh, they've done decent work in recent times on things like the Mega Man legacy collections. So I'm hoping that the emulation will be good and good enough, more than good enough, more than adequate. Uh, in an ideal world, I would have M2 or somebody putting this compilation together. It's also, rather controversially, it's also come to light that in Japan, they will get the international versions on their Street Fighter anniversary collection. So for the first time ever, Japanese will have to put up with the ridiculous renaming of characters and games that we've had to put up with, even though it's their games. They made them the Japanese. So uh, that's a bit sucky, I think, personally. But still, uh, Street Fighter Alpha Trilogy, Street Fighter, all five original incarnations of Street Fighter 2 and uh, three versions of Street Fighter 3 as well, though only people only ever play the third strike one. But whatever. Um, comprehensive is good. Um, it's all, I think it's also going to come with a load of extra bonus content and features. So it's an absolute day one purchase for uh, about half the Kane and Rinse team, certainly me, myself included. Uh, but anyway, so this was uh, the, uh, the theme from Dimitri, uh, which they used as a menu theme on the Darkstalkers Resurrection download, which is still well worth getting. Uh, don't know if Capcom will ever do anything with Darkstalkers ever again, the vampire series, even if they do. Will they hit the heights that they did? My dream would still be some sort of crossover team up with Arc System Works because I think their artists with the Darkstalkers IP would be a match made in heaven uh, and that sort of gameplay and those characters as well. But uh, we shall see. Uh, anyway, this piece, another uh, cracking theme, um, sort of amped up for the dubstep generation somewhat here. Uh, possibly not. I'm too old to really understand. But anyway, this is uh, Takayuki Iwai and or Hideki Okagawa with Dimitri's theme and remixed by a mysterious person.
fabulous stuff. I now want to play Darkstalkers. That's the way it works. Talking about games or listening to the music of the games makes you want to play them. Normally. <laughs> Unless you really hate them. Or the music. And next up, this is a piece that uh, sort of feels relevant because at the time of recording, we're in between two Monster Hunter World betas, demos, time demos on PlayStation 4 and PC. Um, I don't know if PC is getting the demos. They certainly are on PS4. Uh, this piece is from Monster Hunter 4 and Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate games that I bought or the second, uh, the ultimate one anyway for 3DS, which came out over here uh, in Europe as a game that I bought, absolutely intended to play a ton and didn't get around to it to my disappointment. I'm hoping that maybe Monster Hunter World being picked up by a number of the, the team and the community will be uh, make it a viable proposition for uh, questing as a group, whereas uh, as cool as it was having these games on the 3DS, it didn't seem to lend itself so well to community play. That said, canarince.com slash forum, there was a, a regular group of hunters who went on this and, and the predecessor, 3 Ultimate as well, on, on Wii U and 3DS. So it does happen. Uh, but one of the things that really jumped out at me in the time I did spend, the far too little time I did spend with Monster Hunter 4, was this particular piece of Guildhall music. This is um, Guildhall 6. Uh, and the genre, I understand, is called Gamelan, which is uh, Polynesian, Indonesian uh, music. It has this very uh, metallic sound. I think one of the instruments is called... Um, Metallico or something like that, I, as, as far as we refer to it in English. I heard some some of this Gamelan recently as well, an outdoor event, a pre-Christmas festive event in Wakehurst Place, which is not far from here. Uh, it's a thing called Glow Wild, and I had a little hand in the previous year's event due through my work, and it's, uh, it's really... Uh, magical sort of a walk through these gardens with all these glowing uh, multicolored lanterns that are all fashioned into various themed shapes and things and uh, one of the events which uh, sorry one of the exhibits which is all fire on water had this gamelan music playing and it's really atmospheric and yeah this piece here i just think it's so pretty and um yeah sort of evokes all sorts of interesting ancient feelings from my soul um, there's a piece in um, Super Mario Odyssey, which uh, which is also clearly influenced by Gamelan for the uh, for the lost the lost continent or whatever that that area of the game's called about halfway through. Don't think that's too much of a spoiler. Um, yeah, so uh, while I don't have the same level of connection with Monster Hunter as some of our listeners, no doubt will, uh, this piece I think is is really beautiful. So one or more of Marika Suzuki, uh, Miwako Chinone and Ryo Uratani with Guildhall 6 from Monster Hunter 4, also 
employed in the ultimate version of Monster Hunter 4, which was uh, the release that the international market got. I don't know if the Guildhall themes get reused in games at all. Uh, sort of, there's multiple Guildhall themes and they sort of loop around. They're, they're each quite short, as you heard there. Um, I don't know if any of them get uh, repurposed or, or whatever for future games. I would be perfectly happy for that one to turn up in Monster Hunter World anywhere at any stage. <laughs> So as I say, uh, Super Mario Odyssey featured uh, a little Gamelan-infused, influenced uh, track in there. But actually, the piece from Super Mario Odyssey that I wanted to share this time was a piece that just made me smile every time I heard it. So this is from Tostarina, and this is <laughs> Jaxi's theme. Uh, music from Super Mario Odyssey by Naoto Kubo, Shiho Fuji... And Koji Kondo is also credited, although my assumption is that Koji Kondo is only credited because of the reuse of some of the classic Mario themes. I'm pretty sure, pretty sure he didn't compose any new music for Super Mario Odyssey. But there's some wonderful tunes throughout that game. Nevertheless, I'm sure we'll feature more on this podcast in the future. I had a little online conversation recently with our friend, friend of the show, Ash Day, former Nintendo of Europe employee, now at Team 17. And he did actually point out to Nintendo that uh, Jaxi, which is a Jaguar taxi, hence the name, has a a slightly saucy alternate meaning, um, very specifically in in England, I think, possibly possibly the UK, possibly in Scotland and Ireland as well. You'd have to tell me, uh, but Jaxi, as in. Um, anus so so uh yeah uh, but apparently they just didn't care too much so so it's in there jaxi is in a nintendo game uh always good uh but yeah this this piece uh, three and a half minutes long there's a few bits where you jump on this stone jaguar taxi and ride about he's slightly uncontrollable he's got a brake but it's very easy to ride off cliffs and things but he can go over uh purple pools of evil acid and collect things for you so uh, it's all good fun anyway yeah it's just a grin worthy piece that uh, made me smile back when this came out a couple of months ago so jacksy
So Jaxie's theme there, excuse me, as I enjoy another bite of fruitcake from Super Mario Odyssey, a game that um, may be winning some awards this year. I guess um, it's going to be a, a big, big old tussle between the two biggest, uh, highest profile, best reviewed Nintendo games um, for for games of the year, game of the year awards, which is uh, something we don't do here at Kane Rince. Chalk and cheese comparing such things, but... Uh, I think we can all agree, unless uh, unless you've got really the most specific tastes imaginable. I think 2017 has been a fine year for video game releases. Very strong. Lots of genres, lots of formats, lots of cool stuff. Relatively low budget, independent stuff, high profile AAA stuff. A few disappointments as always, but lots of stuff to infuse about. Um, not that we've ever had a year on Kane and Rince that we didn't have feel that there was a lot to enthuse about going all the way back to 2011 now uh, one of this year's delights I think was Splatoon 2 okay it's a re-release of a, a couple year old Wii U game that uh, perhaps didn't find the audience it deserved and uh, it's probably done a lot better this time around but they added some bits and bobs refined a few things uh, one of the uh, most excellent additions from my point of view is the Salmon Run. Again, another mode that I haven't played as much as I want, and that's partly by design of Nintendo because they lock they lock it out to you at various points in time. Uh, but when I have played it, it's been excellent fun co-oping with randoms. But one of the main delights of it is this absolutely demented piece of music, which sort of mashes together uh, this sort of terrifying cello I, I think it's cello uh, cello string stuff with some sort of uh, scratching and, and um, sort of hip hop influenced mixing and things that make it sound a little bit like a strange uh, like it comes from a strange other planet uh, maybe Torimidigishi the composer does um, it reminds me of um, there's a piece from Darren Corb's Bastion soundtrack, which I love, and we've played some bits on here for uh, from as well. Um, you, you'll probably know the piece that I mean when you hear it. But this is yeah from uh, from Salmon Run from Splatoon Two, Deluge Dirge.
title actually has it as deluge dirge hyphen w dash three i'm not sure why uh, maybe that's maybe it changes i'm not sure i can't remember i need to play it some more tori minigishi anyway uh absolutely insane but uh, really cool i think uh, that game's got um, or that mode in particular has got a really i think really rich atmosphere it really feels like a stinky fish laden dock and there's all these weird creatures coming at you from the sea it's it's one of those sort of things that's ostensibly cutesy and very nintendo but actually has a slightly slightly weird and odd uh, disquieting undertone i think so do check that out if you've got Splatoon 2. Maybe you'll get it for Christmas. I think people are still playing it. Maybe. <laughs> anyway, remember, we have another year of Sound of Play ahead. Every week, every Wednesday, we'll come out with a new show. Sometimes it'll be the team. Sometimes it'll be composers. Sometimes it'll be community members. Let us know if you want to be one of those. But uh, most shows will include some of your requests. So please venture to the forum, canorince.com slash forum. Or Twitter. Follow us at canorince. Use the hashtag sound of play and we'll try to remember to check in and look at that. We also have our Facebook page, of course, facebook.com slash rinse. We've even taken a couple of requests from there. Even email podcast at canarinse.com. I just remembered that off the top of my head. We don't use it much, but uh, we do get the odd request through email. You can do that. Request your favourites, other oddities, curios, uh, pieces of interest from the entire history of the video game's music medium. We'll play almost anything bar from tunes that were only selected for a game because they were already famous in their own right and were simply a licensed piece. Uh, we do play the odd licensed piece if it's if we deem it to be mainly associated with the, the game in question. But uh, yeah, mainly original pieces are good. Um, somebody said a few months ago now, possibly even a year ago, like, oh, you know, it's amazing that Kane and uh, Sound of Play are still finding uh, great music to play on sound of play after all these podcasts it's like what we, we haven't even we haven't even scratched the surface yet there are millions of hours of music we only play nine tracks a week and nine tracks a week is nothing so uh there's still we may have played some of the the real touchstones and the classics but we haven't played all of them and i bet there's a ton of stuff that you love that we haven't yet played uh, we really want to so let us know uh, please do subscribe to the podcast if you don't already via iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever it is, via your RSS feed, via your Android device. And also you can support us via Patreon, patreon.com slash canarince. A dollar a month is the sort of minimum contribution. Uh, leave us an iTunes review or rating if you can. That really helps. It does noticeably bumps our position up the charts, which means that more people pick us up and notice us. And that's uh, that's all fantastic. So, yeah, thank you for that. Um, keep them coming. Keep the requests coming. Absolutely. So I'll wrap up. This is the last you'll be thankful to hear from me for 2017. And uh, this is a song I've wanted to play for a while. And it is a song. It's uh, it's a lyric-based tune from the end of one of my favourite games of the year. Next Machina, Death Machine by Housemark for the PlayStation 4, also on PC. Uh, so I love the soundtrack all the way through this uh, game. Uh, pump, pumping, pulse-pounding electronica uh, to match the sublime twin stick shooter action as far as i'm concerned of next machina one of the most devious and compelling high score based games i've ever played in my 35 how many years of gaming it is now Are we have 40 years probably at 40 now aren't we near enough yeah um yeah so if you haven't got next machina already i really really do recommend it uh maybe it's a game that doesn't sort of come across that well in descriptions or screenshots or something i notice it's been on sale recently really genuinely it's up there with things like zelda and mario obviously i haven't played every not nearly every game that's been released in 2017 but of the ones i did next machina is absolutely right up there for me as one of the most enjoyable and the ones i've played the most i'm still playing it regularly uh, still not beating my high scores at the moment but uh, but one day um yeah, it's kind of a it's a real shame that Housemark have said that that's their their last dabble with uh, sort of classic arcade style gaming because 
Um, I think they were really good at it. And uh, but I, yeah, I mean they really nailed it with this one. I, I don't know kind of where else there is for the twin stick shooter to go after that. It's uh, it's just so damn compelling. So much fun. You may disagree, but uh, if you buy it and enjoy it, you can thank me. If you buy it and you don't enjoy it, I'm sorry. You'll probably enjoy the music anyway. So yeah, this is the end theme when you uh, kill off the big bad boss at the end of uh, World 4 or 5, depending on which difficulty mode you're playing. And uh, I particularly like, uh, it's got some daft lyrics, as you'd expect from a song that ends a shoot 'em up um, But it's also, I love the fact that you can uh, really strongly hear the, uh, I think, Finnish accent, Scandinavian, Finland part Scandinavia. I'm so ignorant. <laughs> Geography. Um uh, anyway, you can hear the accent on the on the vocals uh, that are sung in English, and uh, I think that's really nice. It's also true of the in-game voices, um, and I think that adds uh, a real charm to it. Anyway, that's enough from me. I'll leave you with the song, and we'll be back with more Sound of Play and Cane and Rinse in 2018. Here's to your health. Your hit and miss